disappeared. To cease to be seen, banish from sight. To cease to exist, or be known, pass away, end gradually, of a person to vanish under suspicious circumstances. A story I will share with you this Tuesday. When you are 19 years old, small problems, fights with friends, significant others, the pressures of school, can sometimes feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. Certain choices can make you forget who you are. Substance abuse can distort reality and can make for a lethal weapon or can make you altogether just disappear. This is the story and a question of what in the world happened to Bryce Laspisa. Tuesdays with Trisha, Episode 5. Welcome to Laguna Niguel, California. Nestled on the coast of the beautiful Orange County, it can be quite the enticing and inviting place to be after retirement. And this is exactly what Karen and Michael Las Pisas thought when they decided to retire in California. You see, the Las Pisas were originally from Illinois. While there, they had their son Bryce in April of 1994, and the family of three were happy and content as Bryce was growing up. When Bryce graduated high school in 2012, this is when Karen and Michael took their shot and all three of them moved to the West Coast. Bryce was an exceptional, bright, and talented young man all throughout his life. He could light up a room when he walked in, He was very social. Majoring in graphic and industrial design, his portfolio for art school was quite impressive. And he had decided to attend Sierra College in Rockland, California, about a seven-hour drive up to Northern California, a little past Sacramento. He had finished out his freshman year and was at his parents' house in Laguna Niguel for the summer. And the summer before Bryce's sophomore year in college was a great one. The family was in good spirits, and Bryce was looking forward to the year spent with his friends, roommate Sean, and his girlfriend Kim. He had a bright future ahead of him, and everything seemed normal, as it should have been. So when Karen and Mike said goodbye to their only son that August, they had no worry in the world as he ventured off to Northern California. Our story begins on Monday, August 26, 2013. Bryce attended Sierra College like normal. He talked with his mom, Karen, that day around 5 p.m. and all seemed fine. The first day of classes went well. On Tuesday, August 27, 2013, this is when things get abnormal. First, Sean, Bryce's roommate at the time, calls Bryce's mom this day and states that Bryce has been acting weird after he took some medication and had an all-night bender playing video games with a friend. 
Now, he had known that Bryce had been drinking heavily in the weeks prior, which was unlike him, and had also been abusing unprescribed substance called Vyvanse, an ADHD medication that can give you the same feelings that the drug meth would, so a very paranoid, fast-paced feeling, and can keep you up for hours. On Wednesday, August 28th, 2013, Bryce and Kim had been arguing, and he had sent her a text that said she would be better off without him. She asked if he was breaking up with her, and in response, he said yes. Bryce did arrive at Kim's house that night in Chico sometime around 10 p.m. Now, she stated that he seemed agitated and not himself. He told her again he wanted to end the relationship, and Kim just didn't understand this behavior. He was just off. Kim tried taking his keys from him and convincing him to stay the night. She even called his parents in an, in an attempt to help him get someone to understand he wasn't right. But when Karen talked to Bryce on the phone, he seemed fine and his mind was made up. He didn't want to be with Kim and she was just being an overdramatic girlfriend. Karen even said, Bryce, I'm worried. Let me fly up there tomorrow. And Bryce said, no, 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 don't come till I talk to you. I have a lot to talk to you about anyways. Even his dad spoke with him and both parents were convinced that Bryce was okay. So they told Kim to give him his keys back, which she reluctantly did. His mom told him to get in the car and to drive home to his apartment and get some sleep. He said okay and left Kim's house. The Las Pisas weren't quite sure what to make of this. Was Bryce as okay as he says he was? He had just spent the whole summer with his parents. Did they miss something this whole time? There was nothing they could do so far away, so they headed to bed and would call Bryce in the morning. Now, Karen does recall that earlier that morning around 1 a.m., she did have a missed call from Bryce. Phone records later will show that he was actually an hour away from his apartment in a remote area, but doesn't state where. Now, the next morning on August 29th, 2013, the Las Pisas receive a voice message from the Roadside Assistance Service, State Farm, used around 9 a.m. Bryce had run out of gas near Buttonwillow Rest Area, just west of Bakersfield, California which is actually 350 miles away from where he was supposed to be. So it looks like he was trying to head home to his par parents' house, but Karen and Mike at this time didn't know this yet. So Karen, of course, calls Bryce's roommate, Sean, and asks if Bryce is sleeping and if he's there at the apartment. And Sean replies, Bryce never came home that night. Now worried and frantic, they start to call Bryce's phone, but no answer. They trace a credit card transaction that was charged to their card earlier that morning to a gas station nearby called Castro Tire and Gas. They called the place, and the man that answers tells the parents that, yes, he did service that car earlier this morning around 9 a.m., the driver, Christian, recalls giving Bryce three gallons of gas, and he says to Karen, you know what, if you give me like 15 minutes, I'll drive back over there and see if he's still there. And Karen thanks him and is like, yes, of course, please, if you don't mind. So Christian 
drives over there, and to his surprise, what do you know, Bryce is still there. Actually, in the same spot three hours earlier. So he was in the same spot he was three hours earlier. So this would make it around noontime. Christian then calls Karen and hands Bryce the phone. Bryce, are you okay? You are three hours from home. What are you doing? Bryce responds, nothing. So Karen at first doesn't push this issue. She just tells Bryce, you know what? You need to fill up with gas and you need to head home. So Bryce does exactly this. He fills up with gas and his parents expect him that it'll take around three hours for him to get home from where he is at. So they expect him to be home around 3 p.m. 3 p.m. rolls around and around 3.30 p.m. when they still haven't heard from him and he hasn't arrived, Karen starts to call him again. They think maybe he's stuck in traffic because of the Labor Day weekend coming up. She calls and no answer from Bryce. She calls and calls and calls. No answer still. By evening, they still had not reached Bryce, and now it had been almost six hours since they talked with him at noon. This is at 6 p.m., and the parents, of course, are just frantic, pacing up and down their house and in the front yard in hopes that Bryce will pull up any minute from now. Around 9 p.m., the Las Pisas just couldn't take it anymore, and they filed a missing persons report with the Orange County Police Department. Law enforcement then checks with the Las Pisas cell phone carrier service, AT&T, to see if they could get a location on Bryce's phone. And what would you know? It pings in the same area he was before, the truck stop in Buttonwillow. So law enforcement send out Kern County deputies to check on Bryce. And sure enough, he's still there. He's actually still sitting in his car. What? So law enforcement performs a sobriety test, which he passes. They search his vehicle for drugs, alcohol, and weapons. And again, nothing. The deputy on scene reports that he's lucid, he's answering questions correctly, acting normal, alert, and he's pleasant. So the deputy asks, well, what the heck are you doing out here then? And Bryce responds, you know what, officer, I'm just blowing off some steam. I'm trying to get my focus back and I'm just trying to head home to my parents' house in Laguna Nagao. So the one strange thing the officer did say was that when he asked Bryce to call home, Bryce was actually very hesitant. He almost refused, but like not quite. So the officer like actually dials his house phone and puts the phone up to Bryce's ear. And he says, you need to talk to your mom. So Karen, of course, when she gets on the phone, she wants to talk to the deputy first. And she asked the deputy, is... Bryce okay? And the officer replies, yeah, he seems fine and all right to drive home. So Karen then gets on the phone with Bryce and asks again, 
Bryce, what are you doing? He said, Mom, I'm putting things back in my car. They searched my car. Okay, Bryce, what are you doing? You have been in the same spot for several hours. You need to eat. Now you're going to be driving in the dark. I am worried. Get home. So for some reason, she decided again not to push her son in this direction. She was just hoping that he had his head on straight now and would just come home already. And you know what? Law enforcement actually thought the same thing. By what they could hear from the conversation on Bryce's end was that he was going to do everything that his parents said. So they decided to leave. So an hour later, you remember Christian, the driver that I talked about earlier? So he had actually noticed that he had a missed call from Karen on his cell phone. So for some reason, he decides to return her phone call. And she says, you know what? I just was talking with the police in Buttonwillow. They just went and saw Bryce. For some reason, he's still there. And Christian was like, what? That's weird. Do you want me to go check on him? And she's like, no, 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 no you don't need to. You've already done that once. And he's like, no, really, ma'am, it's not a big deal. Let me go over there. So he goes over. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, Karen gets a call from Christian and says, Bryce is still sitting right here. Okay. What in the actual literal fuck? He has now been sitting there for over 13 hours. So next thing we know, Christian offers to follow Bryce onto the freeway. Okay, kid, you know what? I'm going to make sure you won't get lost, that you're actually heading in the right direction. So he does just that. So about 30 minutes later, after he talks with Karen, he follows Bryce onto the freeway, the five freeway south. And he follows him for about 10 miles and then pulls off, calls Karen and says, hey, look, I physically saw your son get on the road. You know, he's on his way. So before Karen had hung up with Bryce, she told him, you know what, you need to keep your cell phone on. We're going to keep calling you along the way. And over the next few hours, they did just that. They asked him to describe landmarks on the drive so they could track where he was at. And dad actually says he was pretty evasive about it all. He just kept saying, I can't see signs, dad, but GPS says I'll be home at 325 AM. So then around 209 AM, Bryce calls his mom and his dad. And he's like, you know what, guys, I'm just way too tired. I can't keep going. I'm just going to pull over and get some rest. And the parents are like, you know what, Bryce? We think that's a really good idea. We think you've been awake for a long time now. And the parents are thinking it's been like a 24-hour period. So they agree to let Bryce rest. The next morning, around 8 a.m., Friday, August 30th, 2013, the Las Pisas heard their doorbell ring. Oh, it must be Bryce. They rushed down and opened the door to 
a CHP officer. The officer asks them if they own a 2003 Toyota Highlander. They reply, yes, that's our son's car. The officer then states that the car was found off an access road at Castaic Lake, about two hours north of where they were now, but Bryce wasn't with the car. The car was actually found crashed and overturned and on its side from a 25-foot embankment. And the back window had been smashed out, and police think that's how Bryce escaped the wreck. There was no real physical evidence like blood to indicate that he was really hurt and walking somewhere. And all of his personal belongings were left in the car, his phone, keys, wallet. And there was even a duffel bag in the back seat that was actually unzipped. So small traces of blood on the headrest and back seat were found, but not a lot. Nothing to indicate he was severely injured. But it was a 25-foot fall, so how could he not be hurt, right? So the Las Pisas were in a straight panic at this point. Karen thinks, oh my God, he's just been in an accident. He doesn't know what happened or where or who he is. And now he's just wandering around. So the search for Bryce now begins. Because law enforcement thought that this could have been a suicide attempt and after the crash didn't work, they think that Bryce could have continued into the lake. So search and rescue began with the sheriff's department combing the hillside area on foot with ATVs and helicopters. Law enforcement divers went into the lake itself and this continued all weekend long, unfortunately with no results. Back at home, Mike was busy making missing persons posters of Bryce and distributing them everywhere he could, including the crash site area. And Karen actually tried to get a hold of as much media as she could. And despite all of their efforts, the search keeps coming up empty with no trace of Bryce anywhere. So what we do know is that sometime after 2.09 a.m., Bryce called and spoke with his mother, Karen, for the last time. And he told her he was pulling over to sleep. Well, we know he did not do that. Instead, he continued his drive when he reached an access road at Castaic Lake. He drove over this access road by a cell phone tower, and then he reached the top of like a hill with a cell phone tower. From there, he like floors it down the hill towards the lake. And I guess he was like hitting a bunch of large rocks on the way. And law enforcement knew this happened because they were actually able to see the tire tracks that were visibly like in the hillside the next day. So now from the top of the hill, it looks like you can actually, so it actually looks like from the picture that you could drive all the way down towards the lake and you would totally hit it. So if he was looking at that at nighttime, he wouldn't see that there was the 25 foot fall. So Bryce drives that and at some point he must have hit the fall and that's when the car drops off. It lands on its front bumper and then drops to the side. And then from there, we really don't know what happened besides the window being smashed out. 
So they did also have a small break in the case when they realized that the lake area had cameras on site. So they captured on Lake Hughes Road at 2.15 a.m. a still image of Bryce's car going up the road. Now, we don't know what he did or even how long he was up there for, but that was actually just six minutes after he talked to his mom on the phone. Then, two hours go by, and oddly, at 4.29 a.m., the same camera captures Bryce's car again, traveling up Lake Hughes Road in the same direction. So what in the world was this kid doing? Now, just five days after Bryce went missing, law enforcement encountered something they weren't expecting. A burning body near the lake. Could this be Bryce? So everyone, of course, held their breath as the autopsy was performed. And later, it revealed that this was a body of a 35-year-old man from L.A. who was actually shot in the torso before being dumped and then the body being burnt. He was a victim of homicide. So a bittersweet result for all. Bryce wasn't dead, but he wasn't found either. And then, of course, no one wanted to stumble upon this homicide. So my heart goes out to the Miles family. Then... On day nine, law enforcement actually decided to bring in bloodhounds, and they did this on two separate occasions. So you had two different hounds, two separate occasions, and both of these hounds track Bryce's scent along the lake down to the dam that is nearby the lake. Then the scent crosses the dam to a road then heads like south towards the spillway. And so this would put Bryce on the west side of the lake. And then it picks up the scent again to a nearby truck stop on Castaic Road. Then the scent just disappears. So again, both hounds do this. And this leads law enforcement to the chilling conclusion that maybe Bryce did get up and walk away from his life. So now I want to review all of this. It's a lot to digest. So when we look at the whole picture, let's go back to Monday of this week that we're talking about. Bryce had just finished his second day of class. And apparently when Karen and Mike were shown a picture of Bryce that was taken that day, later on in the investigation, they say that Bryce looks happy and well in the picture. And when they look into his phone some more, they actually see that the GPS um, was programmed to his parents' address. So it was actually confirming that he was heading home. So details also about the weeks prior start to surface um, when his roommate Sean claimed that he had been drinking heavily and taking Vyvanse. Well, further into that, Sean told Karen that Bryce was actually giving his 
things away, like his Xbox that he loved so much and his mother's diamond earrings she had given him. And then Karen says, there is no way Bryce would ever just like give his stuff away. He just wasn't the type of person to do that. But psychologically, it suggests that it can be an indication of erratic behavior of someone who might be wanting to commit suicide or leave their life. Karen also recalls that Bryce got in trouble like a few times in the past for underage drinking, but both Karen and Mike never thought that it was an actual like problem. And then on top of that, he had just spent the whole summer with his parents. So if he had a problem, they're pretty confident that they would have seen it in the weeks leading up to his departure. But I also want to point out that when I was like a teenager, I was a straight genius when I hid stuff from my parents, or at least I thought I was. So for me, it's kind of like a toss up on this one. My heart wants to believe that his parents knew everything about him, but truly my gut tells me that they had no idea what was really going on because people really do hide shit and it can be very scary at times. So also with my medical background, I was naturally going to do my research on this Vivance shit. And upon this, I came across a few things that stood out. So when you Google Vivance, you can experience one of the more following side effects. Decreased appetite, dry mouth, feeling irritable or anxious, dizziness, nausea or vomiting, stomach pain, diarrhea or constipation, sleep problems, blood circulation problems in your fingers and toes. More serious side effects can include hallucinations or seeing or hearing things that aren't there, delusions or believing things that aren't true, paranoia or having strong feelings of suspicion, increased blood pressure and heart rate, heart attack, stroke, stroke and sudden death. So major side note here for my listeners, I want to point out that I kind of did my research on drug studies and this is, has nothing to do with this case. It actually has to do with like my son who has epilepsy and I just wanted to kind of know about listing side effects. So just so you know that when they do drug trials on patients and they're trying to list the side effects. So say they try this drug on like a hundred patients, they have to list every single side effect that comes from every single patient in the drug trial, whether it happened to one patient or 10 patients. So a lot of these, you know, that's why you always hear the commercials where they're like blah, 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 talking all the side effects really quickly, because of course, not all of these are going to apply to somebody taking Vyvanse. But somebody who was unprescribed this medication is definitely more susceptible and many of these effects are consistent with the behavior that Bryce was displaying. So could it be that he did have a psychotic episode and just went off the deep end because he was taking way too much Vyvanse? Or was that the reason why he like stayed so long and lingered around the truck stop? Like, was he having a feeling of guilt or was he just completely out of his mind? And then again, this brings me back to like the bloodhounds. So they trace his, his scent to the truck stop. So 
Did he decide to leave his life? And if so, like what exactly exactly shape was he in? Like he had nothing. He left everything except except for that mysterious duffel bag, okay? That brings me back to the unzipped part of it. What the fuck was it that he pulled out of that bag? Did he even pull anything out of the bag? And if he did pull something out of the bag, could this be the clue that could actually lead us to where he is? So with no witnesses, no cell phone calls after the accident, no text, no physical evidence of any kind, what did, what exactly happened? Did he just leave? And if he did try and leave, maybe he ended up meeting like another horrible demise after that. And if he did die out there, how in the hell will any of us ever know? Where would we even know to look? So it has now been almost seven years since Bryce was last seen or heard from. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Bryce Las Pisas, I encourage you to contact the LA County Sheriff's Department at 323-890-5500. He is dearly missed and loved by his friends and family. And we hope one day the Las Pisas will have the answers that they deserve. Until next time, see you next week on Tuesdays with Trisha. And don't forget to wash your hands, stay safe, and don't forget to listen to Tuesdays with Trisha.